Next thing I know, he's come up and he slaps my ass from behind, hands me my drink and says, here you go and walks away. I was just torn because I was like, do I go up to him? Do I say something? Do I have someone else say something? But what I did know is the last thing I wanted was to be back in his space. I didn't want to be anywhere near him. It was a complete violation of my space, my body, my boundaries. A bad bitch takes charge of her body, her boundaries, and her bank account. Today's episode is brought to you by FTX US, the most complete crypto and finance app to buy and sell crypto with up to 85% lower fees than top competitors. You can trade NFTs with no fees, track your entire portfolio, and use a crypto-friendly debit card at millions of retailers. Plus, they're even launching stocks. Download the FTX US app by going to the link in the description and using the code BADBITCHES to earn free crypto on every trade over $10. Again, link in the description. Use code BADBITCHES to sign up so we can start investing and break the crypto boys club. Welcome, bad bitches. Today, I'm here with Janine Fallon, the CEO of Black Ops, helping educate and empower professional athletes and talent. She spent her entire career building up women, underrepresented, and LGBTQ plus communities, and she previously built the sex toy company Pure Romance. Today, we're going to be talking about misogyny in the workplace, how to spot it, how to call it out, and what to do when that advisor or investor or colleague or random guy that you meet at a networking event starts hitting on you or, quote, accidentally touches you. Janine and I have both spent our entire careers in male-dominated industries, so today we're going to lift the veil on some of the bullshit that goes on in the background and how to really create the space to feel respected and be respected in the workplace. So Janine, welcome to the Bad Bitch Empire. Thanks so much for having me. You have been called a professional asshole whisperer. (laughs) (laughs) What does that mean? And how did that come about? Well, I think, I think it was a way that somebody was just, I think a friend was describing to another friend that, um, I'm, I'm very good with strong personalities. So yes. So professional asshole whisperer. I think I've just had a long history of, of two things, dealing with strong personalities and being put into these situations, like what happened to you in Austin and like what we're talking about today. You know, one of my favorite things that you said is why do these people think that they get access to us in this way? You know, like this, my favorite, the side boob hug, Right. Got a couple of those at consensus. It's like, hi, it's so nice to see you. And you're like, <laughs> so I've been known for just turning around at that point. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, really? <laughs> Do you actually call it out right then and there? Or is it, you know, we've all done the side maneuver where it's like, okay, let's just turn the other way. Yeah. You know, I think, um, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but uh, I think in my, I think 20 year old me was probably, I would call it out, but I would probably try the side maneuver first or to try to shift the situation or shift the conversation or turn my cheek or cross my arms or stand against a wall so I didn't get a hand on my lower back. Um, 40-year-old me is not interested in doing that at all in any capacity. And I'm literally like, what the fuck? Like, what are you doing? So um, yeah, completely, complete different 
different thing. And I think I've had to learn to be that way because, you know, we have all done the side maneuver and it, it doesn't work. You know, if somebody is that bold to behave like that um, and you don't set a strong boundary, then they're just coming back for seconds and thirds. And the only thing that ends up happening is you questioning your own behavior and your own worth in the situation. So, yeah. It's really hard when you're in the moment um, when that happens because you're just so, I think, stunned, especially in professional networking events or just professional settings, because I think it's very different than, for example, if you're just at a at a bar or at a social outing, because I think for me, being in those professional settings, it feels like there's something, there is something at stake, right? Your reputation, all these industry contacts. And so there isn't really that room to make a scene, especially because women are so easily labeled as crazy. Um, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Jealous? What is that? The, in the Beyonce song, they always try to make you look jealous or crazy. And it's like, no, I just don't want to be touched. Like, yeah. <laughs> not jealous, not crazy. Just don't want you to touch me. I think when I went to Austin, I brought uh, two girls with me um, who were part of the BBE team. And it was their first crypto conference. So they had never really experienced what that feels like. But at crypto conferences, it's over 90% male. And it didn't occur to me that I was actually numb to the fact that that's kind of gross and not normal until I saw it through their eyes. And we were going into one of these um, after hours networking events. And one of the girls just said, wow, it smells so bad in here. It's like sweaty, smells like man. And she's like, I just, I need to get out. I need fresh air. And I can't believe that this is what it looks like. And I think that really opened my eyes and said, yeah, this is not normal. And it is actually really uncomfortable. I've just become immune to it, uh, of course, until you know that an incident happened, which I'll talk about in a bit. I think it's interesting that you say that. Like, I've, I've had a, there's been several times in my career that I've worked with primarily uh, women-dominated companies. And so I understand like crypto, especially right now and consensus very much felt um, like it was male-dominated. And I want to I double-click on something. Like, you know, I think you and I have a lot of masculine energy because of the careers that we have built and because of, of the space that we are in. But we're both very feminine presenting. So like we both like lace and leather and silk and clothes and things. And so I think that that's, that's one of the most interesting things. Like I enjoy being a girl. I like wearing dresses. I like having 12 outfit changes a day. I like, you know, I like fixing, well, I don't like fixing my hair. I like when someone else fixes my hair, but, um, you yeah, like the, I, the end result. <laughs> yeah. I like the end result. I, I love a, a beauty squad, but I, I think the interesting thing is, is it, it takes the joy out of any of those things and, and for the ability to be a woman when you're put in situations where it that's used against you and it's used as a weapon. Like we had, we had that amazing brunch over at the mansion, which is, you know, getting great things started, but it, it was interesting to see. It's like all of the women that came over there, we were all, all had been very thoughtful about what we were wearing. And it really is disturbing to put thought into something about yourself and to present yourself in a professional way and to still have, conversations happening. I mean, I've had several times in my career where I've had to stop presentations because men were commenting on what I had, or I hear things like legs or ass or rack. And, you know, for me, the first part of my career, I didn't say much. 
uh, very quickly learned that the best way to handle that is to call it out directly. And I think my line in my 20s was, listen, you couldn't afford it or handle it, so stop talking about it. And then as I've continued to get a little bit older, I don't even need to do any of that. It's just kind of stopping and staring at them in one of those uncomfortable silences. Like, is this how you were raised? You know, I, I am a single mom. I, I do work around a lot of men. I'm, I am blessed that a large majority of those men are extremely respectful, but you know, just by sheer numbers, I come across a lot of men that do the side boob hug. You know, I was in a situation last year where, uh, it was a business meeting and I had somebody at the business meeting reach over and grab my breast. And I was in such shock and, you know, I built a sex toy company. Like it's very, very difficult to shock me about a large majority of situations. And it didn't happen once. It happened three times. And there were other people there witnessing it. They look shocked. The only person that didn't seem shocked was, um, you know, the grabber. And I thought about it and I'm like, gosh, two things. One, I was really glad that it happened to me and not to any of the younger gals that worked at the company. And two, for me specifically, I realized what a low blow that was, right? So here I'm in the middle of a, of a meeting and I've done something pretty great for all of us and brought together a lot of things and and not only created the table we were sitting at, but had a seat at the table. And now I'm getting my boob grabbed. Everybody was shocked. But the first the first thing that was said by the grabber was, they're great, really perky. And I'm like, you're just kind of, it's in slow motion. It's like that matrix where you're like, what is going on right now? And like, I, if I don't move, this isn't happening. And so then it happened two more times. And the third time I was like, enough. And is he, was he in a position of power? Yes. And so I, I think, you know, as we talked about this, as we talked about having this conversation, I think a very good point is what I believe misogyny is, which is, you know, there's two things. One, by definition, it's the hatred of women. So that kind of lends itself to some of these actions. Like you wouldn't do these things if you respected somebody. It, it feels like it comes out of hatred, number one, um, and disrespect. And then number two, um, it's an abuse of power, right? I think that that's, that's the thing that's very difficult to swallow is the abuse of power. And and as a lot of, of I think women can testify, and maybe in men as well, you sit and think to yourself, what gives this person the right to do this? Right. I mean, I, I've seen this show up in my career of not being paid for things because they thought they were going to, I don't know, pay me in compliments and hugs. And I'm like, <laughs> that's not really how this works. You know, I'm like, I need money. <laughs> I don't yeah. need, I give myself compliments. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, thanks. Um, so, yeah, definitely an abuse of power. I mean, in, in your story, what happened to you? I mean, this is how we started talking about this. Well, I mean, this is, it was just really insane because I was at a event of a like respected fund and firm in the industry. And, um, I was just waiting in line at the bar and it was one of those open bar events. And this man, um, starts talking to me and he's tall, he's older, he's white. And, um, at first we're talking about work. And then when we get to the bar, he says, what would you like to drink? And I tell him to drink. And, you know, I think practically it's, it's an open bar. There's a lot of people, this man is taller, can get to the bar sooner and faster. And so I said, great. Um, but as we're standing there, then he does the, the lower back, uh, hand movement and, and asks me where I'm from. <laughs> and, and it's just like, wait a minute, why is that, why is that hand on the small of my back? Um, and then yes, as you do, do. 
Yeah. And then maneuver to the side and it's like, okay, I'm going to, and I I think it's just, I felt these like weird vibes. Um, and so I just said, um, you know, I thought to myself, I don't need the drink here. Uh, I just said, I'm going to go speak to another group. Um, I got to go see my friend. And so then I, I am speaking in a group of about four or five people. And while I'm talking, it's about two guys and a couple girls. And next thing I know he's come up and he, slaps my ass from behind, hands me my drink and says, here you go and walks away. I think there's been enough time that's kind of passed for me to uh, process it and like kind of see it as like, it's a, it's like a learning situation. And plus like, I mean, basically everyone there was shocked. Even the guys were like, wow, I can't believe this actually happens. Like I just saw that. And, and the thing is it was a fight, flight or freeze. And I just, I froze. I'm like, and he walked away. And so one of the, uh, one of the women was like, I, I'm going to fight him. I'm going to F him up. You know? <laughs> and remember, this is like a six foot, I don't know, three or tall, like a big guy. And I'm a five foot two, you know, petite, um, woman. And I think th- I was just torn because I was like, do I go up to him? Do I say something? Do I have someone else say something? thing. But what I did know is the last thing I wanted was to be back in his space. I didn't want to be anywhere near him. It was a complete violation of my space, my body, my boundaries. Um, And so what I ended up doing was talking to one of the partners of the firm who was holding the event. And I said, this is what happened. You need to talk to him. And, And I think this is the importance of leveraging allies and really figuring out who are the male allies who can do something about it. And so he told me this guy's name and he says, you know, I'll make sure to take care of him. And I think that felt really good, but ultimately even just being in that space for the rest of the you know couple hours was really uncomfortable because I felt his eyes on me. I felt him signal to me. I had to avert my gaze as I was walking across the room and it just, yeah, it really, and, and it really leaving, sucked. And even leaving, leaving the event, right? It's like you, you, you almost get put in a, a position where you feel like you going back to the flight, the fight, flight or freeze, like, you know, when my boob was grabbed, same thing. I froze. I was like, what, like, what is happening? You're like, okay, this happened. It's going to stop. Oh, it's happening again. And then you kind of wake up and you're like, all right, now I need to address this. But you know, there's also, I think it's been, I think it's a, it's a learned thing is, you know, when you're a little girl and everyone says to you, be nice, you know, go say hi to that girl brainwashing, good girl brainwashing, you know, go be nice. Like, and then, you know, you don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, no, but I also don't, want his hand on my lower back and I don't want to be yeah. assaulted in the middle yeah. of the work. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's very, it's sad to me that we even have to, to think that way. And, you know, again, and the gals that we brought, the younger gals that were there, like whether or not they have to your point, like we all know, we talked about this. We all know the side hustle. Like we're like, you're the shift and you're kind of like dipping or, you know, the older gentlemen that come in for the, for the face kiss, you know, and they come straight in and then they, you're like, okay, hi, it's nice to see you. And then they, you know, so it's, it is sad and it's weird. And then doubly weird trying to figure out how to get out of the situation again, because they're still making eyes at you and haven't picked up on like, this is uncomfortable and inappropriate. Right. Yeah. I think the weird thing is like, they just actually think that there's nothing wrong. And I can only imagine how many ass slaps he's given or how many like boob grabs he's done or just um, what made me feel better. And I think the next morning, once I slept on it and I reached back out to that partner um, and I said to him, like, I need you to speak to the people who organize this event. You know, 
the your firm, others in the industry, and make sure that this guy is called out. And I expressed to him, I was really uncomfortable. It's like that this happened and that he didn't take the hint. And I think what really um, did feel good is that as you know, allyship, what true allyship is, is he said, I did talk to him last night and he said his he was freaking out and pissed off. And um, I love this comment. He, he said, off. I told him, yeah, I, yeah. I was like, I told him, of, and he said, I told him of everyone in this room, you're the one person he doesn't want to piss off, that you have a platform and voice that can raise or shatter mountains. And then he says, this guy went on a rant that was nearly unintelligible. And I, I, I thought, you know, I was like, first of all, that felt good. But second of all, I was like, why did he, it's so funny that he got pissed off. No, it's so, it's so predictable because because he did something wrong and he's being held accountable now. So, you know, a lot guilty people tend to get redirect and it's a redirection. Yeah. And that's, you're absolutely right. It's a redirect. I think for me, even in that moment, I, I didn't even, again, about this idea of being numb, I didn't even realize how bad that was until I saw the reactions of others on behalf of me And so I think sometimes like when you're in a position of, you know, whether you've been harassed or something inappropriate has happened, it's think about like, what would you tell your girlfriend? You know, how protective would you be over your best friend if that happened to her? And like to to have that same level of almost indignance and demanding of respect for yourself as you would a friend. You know, one of the other things that we talked about too is like access, right? Like how, like having a safe space to, and having the words and like the prompts and the motions like ready to like say in case these things happen is super important. Um, you know, we had given, you know, some of the girls that we were talking to those one-liners and I don't remember all of them, but I just very much remember it's like, it's that question. Like, why do you believe that you have access to me in this way? You know, it's like asking that question. That was like the, um, I think the example is another conversation that I had with a guy at the conference and he was, we were talking about work and then he just says, well, now that I've seen this logical and business side of you, what other <laughs> sides are there? And I was just like, what did you say? And, and it was like, he felt entitled to that. And I just said, of course, there are other sides to me. There's the feminine, the vulnerable, the emotional, but you don't get access to that until you've gained my trust. You know, that takes right, you time. Earn that. You earn that. Yeah. And, and that's something that I offer to you. Maybe not, you know, but yeah, you not earn it. You asked me at a bar. Right. With <laughs> and, your hand on my lower back after we're having a business discussion. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And it's like, I think, I think that's like the, this also idea of like embracing the masculine and the feminine and the everything in between. Right. And saying that like, there are different sides of myself I can turn on and there are many, many sides to all of us. But like, I think there's also these things when people talk about being authentic and be fully yourself at work, but there's also times where you're like, I don't want to give you my whole self because this is a business conversation. Correct. And the, the reminding that it is a business conversation. Right. And I, I appreciate it even as many years as I've been in business and things that I've had, like it's all, it was, it was a good reminder in the language that you used for me to have prepared exactly to your point. Like, yes, there are other sides to me, but no, you do not get access. And then just to be quiet. Right. And be like, that's it. There's no more conversation past this. And also, you know, you said something that's important, like you get immune to it. Yeah. I think at times you just get so tired of 
of having to deal with the same issue over and over again that sometimes you just want to let it go, but you can't because if you let it go, then you risk it happening again, right? It's almost inevitable. And I also like don't think it's appropriate to like emotionally react, like get really, really angry because the other thing is like as women... on average, we don't have the physical advantage. You know, like in this case, this guy was like 6'4", I'm 5'2". He's obviously bigger. If it was just the space of the two of us, I don't have that physical advantage. And I think that what I've learned is like, especially with those types of men who aren't woke and (laughs) like seeing the way he redirected his anger later, like if I had reacted in a way that was like, you know, fuck you, get out of my way, don't touch me, like angry. I actually think that would make it worse. It creates more drama for him to then react to. So I I think two things. One, I said this to you and you told me originally, I think you did the right thing. I think the freeze was the right thing to do in the moment because it allows you to take a step back and be in a place of observation. And also, you know what? Reacting is a thing, right? We all know that we do that, but if we talk about this, it allows you to place yourself in a place of being responsive versus reactive. And I think you did the absolute right thing. You avoid it, you stayed away, and then addressed it the next day with somebody that could advocate for you and all of the other women that are there and those events going forward. So um, I don't think anybody should ever feel bad about the freeze you know, mechanism. I'm not going... I'm not going to lie and tell you that in certain situations, I've said, listen, buddy, I already have one asshole in my pants. I don't need a second. I've used that several times. But, um, you know, those situations, it was appropriate, whether I was at a very loud function or to your point, I felt safe enough to do that because of the people that I was with. So I've, I've handled things that way. I've handled things quietly, like you know, step back. I've also done exactly what you've done, which is wait until the next day to address them. So I don't know that there is a right thing to do other than to make sure that you are responsive versus reactionary. Yeah. I mean, I like the line that you'd said of uh, like, what, who raised you? Or yeah, who raised you? <laughs> That's like insult your parents, um, like insult, <laughs> you know, insult the mama. Um, yeah. But uh, the other woman that I was with, we were actually playing this game um, as we were kind of seeing the asshole versus the like the genuine allies. And we would say like, we would, like it's a guessing game. Like, oh, he had a good mom. Like he had a good mom, you know, because it was like, oh, if he was raised by a good mom, you know, like he's a good guy who's learned how to listen, who's learned how to respond, how to create respectful spaces for women. And then if he like didn't have that powerful female figure in his life, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't learn how to respect women and now he's they're acting out or powerful men in his life they're a male a male influence that was is is an advocate for women i mean god help i have 14 year old or almost 14 year old boy twins god help either of them if i ever hear that anything's gone on that's disrespectful towards women in that name because nobody else will have to get to them. They'll probably be pulling me off of them. <laughs> like I would handle that. So, but at the same time, like, you know, my kids are lucky because they, they have two respectful parents, right? They're, you know, their father's teaching them to be a gentleman and I am as well. So um, yeah, it's like, who raised you? Like what barn did you grow up in that you believe that this behavior is okay? Mm, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. 
there's this uh, story that I think is applicable here. And it was a, it's like a parable of these two sons and they had a abusive alcoholic father and, you know, he would hit his wife and, um, come back late, be super angry and just like was always absent. And so as the two boys grew into men and they got married, they had families. One of the men, he treats his wife like a queen, wonderful father, doesn't drink a lick of alcohol. And then the other brother becomes just like his dad and is alcoholic, beats his wife, absent father. And when asked the both of them, the same question, why do you think you turned out the way you did? They both responded the same way. And they said, well, with a father like mine, how could I turn out any different? You can't control what situation you come from, but you have a responsibility and you can, you know, change that narrative in the direction you want. Or you can say, well, that's just how it is and um, succumb to being an asshole in this case. Yeah, it's like it's it's a choice, right? All of these all of these actions and situations are a choice. Another line, I mean, what else can people say? I think that that line, like who raised you kind of hits deep, but I, I also thought like, what makes you think that's appropriate? I also like help me understand how this is appropriate with a long pause and a stare. Like help me understand because it's, you're not, you're not pointing the finger. You're just, you know, it's like that this is not okay. It helped me understand the teaching moment there. And while it's not our responsibility to teach sometimes questioning people. And I think you have to just, you have to decide based on the energy, right? The energy of the situation. You didn't feel comfortable confronting him in that way. But there could be other situations, you know, that you would. The other guy, the other guy that asked you about the other sides of you, you were able to like verbalize a conversation and you were like, what are you even talking about? So help me understand who raised you. If they're really aggressive, I like the, I already have one asshole in my pants. I don't need a second. That works. That does, that has worked because they're a little shocked that I said it. (laughs) Well, I think the general framework is, There's like, when you think about languaging, a lot of times um, when you think, when you look at the data about how women speak versus how men speak and the language of dominance versus submission, it's like women tend to use I and me a lot more. So it's inward facing, like I feel, I think, I'm not sure, I, 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 I. And then men often use the language of dominant, which is you, you know, you think of a manager and employee and the manager is like, when are you turning in the report? When are you going to be done with this? And then the, the submissive, um, says, oh, I'll be done with this soon. I am working on this. I think it'll be okay. And, um, so in these situations, I think I've learned that in order to switch the power dynamic, because what the man is doing is he's putting the focus on you which is that outward dominant like control of the situation. And so if you then react and say, you're ma- like, I'm feeling like this. I don't know. Like, I don't feel good. I feel uncomfortable. He's actually getting exactly what he wants from you. Yeah. And so the response, it's not even about like the exact words or the exact line to use. It's like, what makes you think this is appropriate? Help me understand why you think this is appropriate or controlling, um, who controlling raised you. Right. Yeah. It's controlling and like redirecting to, to them being like, Hey, this is your issue. Tell me why you are doing this versus allowing them to like 
have that spotlight on you when it's like really not about you. It's like, let's, let's analyze you. Right. Like, let me take a step back and let's, let's change that. Let's re let's course correct the narrative. Right. But like one of my biggest pet peeves in life is historical revisionism. And, um, I think that you're absolutely correct. This is one of those situations where had you exploded in any way, shape or form in that confrontation, he would have grasped onto that to make it look like you were again, crazy or a bitch, or you were bitter or you were just unfun. And it's like, no, actually I'm not any of those things. So the appropriate thing to do is to put the spotlight on him in any way that you possibly can. And the truth and, and in the appropriate amount of time, whether it's immediate or after the fact and, and hold them accountable, right? There's no more, no less. It's like, what's going on here? Why did you do blank? I have, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched Game of Thrones, but you know how Arya Stark has her, her like kill list. Yeah. And I've got that list. (laughs) 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 That guy's on this list. Um, And uh, yeah, so I think the other thing too is just, you know, um, and uh, it's just, it's, it's like a matter of time. Um, I was like, you'll know it's, it's like the art of war. Like when you're strong, like you'll know when it's ready to strike. Yeah. And I think you become, I think the biggest thing for, for, for women and anybody that's been in this position where there's somebody of authority and power and it's being abused is like telling the truth, right? Like not being afraid to tell the truth and knowing that you're going to have, there's advocates out there, right? Men and women. And that, you know, it's not okay. And the worst thing that can happen that this stays in the dark and then it happens to somebody else. Had this, uh, this thing happened to you in Austin and you not said anything. Can you imagine how many more cocktail parties if he was coming to, you know, NYC NFT? It's like, you know, it just allows the cycle to continue. So it's kind of, you know, there's a responsibility on our behalf, you know, the person that this is happening to, to kind of put a stop to it and, you know, shine a big light on it and then not own the reaction. It's not our responsibility to own their reaction. It's our responsibility to address what happened. And there's a number of ways to do that, but it's not our responsibility to own the reaction. It's their behavior they have to be accountable for. And I mean, I think in this instance, I do feel lucky that it wasn't worse. It was like enough to shock me and, you know, make me feel like pretty bad for actually a couple of days after, after I was like processing it. But I think the other thing about being a bad bitch is like, you know, there's so much stuff that happens. And I was like, I can't let this derail me. I can't let this, like, I've got an empire to build. I do not have the time or the energy to waste on this bullshit. Like, so I I told the ally and I was like, you take care of this. It's like, there's something about really powerful when men in power talk to other men in power and say, this is not okay. Because I think like, I don't even know if that guy would like take me seriously at all and, or like try to do something worse if I was like standing in front of him. It drives it home, right? Because now he's been seen, the behavior has been seen and now it's being handled. So it shouldn't be you alone. That's why we have, you know, allies and advocates. And it just goes to speak to the difference between men and boys, right? The ally and the advocate was the man and the boy was the person doing these behaviors. So yeah, it's absolutely necessary to have people advocate. Yeah. Um, Another thing that I would just say is like, I learned to, I think I'm increasingly learning to listen to my gut instinct and that feeling of like, hey, this feels a little uncomfortable. And it's, it's always like thinking back to those situations where you're like, you always knew that this guy was like a little bit 
off or just like it didn't feel great or you kind of like brushed aside the like uncomfortable vibe that he gave off and then lo and behold like that ends up being the guy who is like the the perpetrator when I parent one of the questions I always ask my sons but I've translated this into business is what is your intention right so whether it's a direct question to somebody I work with or as I'm navigating a meeting or project or any person I come across is what is their intention Right. And so what was that man's intention? It wasn't to make you feel comfortable. It wasn't to make you feel empowered. It wasn't to make you feel smart, seen, appreciated, engaging. It wasn't to secure new business. It was literally negative intent to get whatever need on his end met at your expense. So I think, I think a gut check question that I use a lot in personally and professionally is what is the intention? Does this person have a pure intention? If they don't, then there's a different set of rules to you know engage and act accordingly. Mm, that's really powerful because it, like I think when you spell it out like that, it's like yeah, that was literally nothing. There was literally nothing professional about that. Uh, there was nothing literally nothing positive about it at all. It was just to whatever his sad attempt at getting attention, like female attention, that he probably struggles yeah. to get most of his life. <laughs> <laughs> feed his ego or make himself feel better or whatever it was. It It's, you know, it was an abuse of power and it had negative intent associated with it. So your gut was probably tapped into the negative intent. And I think the more that we can organize situations into positive and negative intent, the more we can, you know, avoid those situations. There's been many of the situations because, you know, you go back and reflect and I've known situations where people have had negative intent and, I can say at times I've chosen to ignore it because I'm exhausted and I have other priorities. I'm building something. I'm trying to get through a meeting. I have other business priorities, but you know, the best thing I've ever done is stopped what I was doing and addressed it. And maybe that's another good, a good conversation to put in the repertoire is what is your intention? I ask that question a lot. And every time I've asked it, if somebody has a negative intent, they can't answer the question. If a positive intention, they have an instantaneous response. If they don't, it's because they're they're in the middle of a spin and they have to stop to think to lie about something. But test it out. The next time you're with somebody and you're feeling off, ask them what their intention is and see see how many stutters you get. Yeah, because I just think about all these interactions and like oftentimes it's such shallow conversation. You know, it's like, what do you do? Where are you from? You know, and then uh, like that kind of guy is always like, here's my track record. And just like, and I have another fund and I have another million and I jet set <laughs> around the world. <laughs> like, okay, great. Um. <laughs> like my favorite Instagram account, Super Snake, where it has all the like, um, the like stereotypical, like crypto bro in Miami at the crypto conference wearing, you know, the strip club hat with the Lamborghini. It's, it's, it's all fodder, but it's, it's very funny because those stereotypes aren't far off as we just saw. <laughs> I think with the markets just tanking, I know everyone, everyone who's in those Lamborghinis and like at the strip clubs is kind of is hurting right now. So there's a little bit of schadenfreude. <laughs> say you can't, you, that you can't spell crypto without cry. I saw that meme yesterday. And I, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Can't spell crypto yeah. without cry. <laughs> uh, anything else that we need to talk about? Like I'm just thinking about maybe precautions, um, like going into events, being prepared, uh, knowing that this type of stuff is 
unfortunately going to keep happening. Um, there will always be people who are abusing positions of power or positions of strength to take advantage of women who are vulnerable, right? Well, I think, um, I think something that, you know, after years of building a sex toy company and working in that industry, first and foremost, I can honestly tell you that I was extremely respected and it was an extremely respectful workplace with all of the men and women. And so I really, I've treasured that all of the years that I was there and the years since, you know, because we all, we all make jokes about working in that industry, but it was a very important industry because it was a door opener to a lot of conversations for women about self-worth, like the conversation of sex at that time when sex in the city came out and we were building this company. So, but I want to say how respectful everybody that worked there in, in the company were, but um, something I learned there that is very important is there is a large difference in conversation that is feminine versus um, sexual, right? So there's a difference between having feminine, strong feminine energy and having a femininity about yourself and in your conversation versus um, sexual energy. So it's just something to kind of keep in the back of your head as a, as a, as a, um, you know, as a gut check again, like, is this, is what I'm talking about? Is it feminine? Because it's coming like from a feminine energy or is it overly sexual? Now, not blaming anybody. I'm just, you know, giving people things to think about. Mm. Well, there, there was actually an example of this also at one of the uh, events that I went to, a guy came up to me and he said, I love your style. Like, this is a great outfit. And my, so he had a girl, he's like, my girlfriend works next YZ, but you know, you, you, I'm sure you get this compliment a lot that you're, you're one of the most fashionable people in the room. And I was like, thank you. Like that was a genuine compliment. It wasn't sexual. It was just like, I did put effort into my outfit. Thank you. <laughs> um, and I'm glad someone noticed. And it's lovely that he, he brought it up and he did it in a respectful way. And that goes back to my comment about, I like being a girl. I spend a lot of time on outfits and dresses and all of those things. And so it's nice to be complimented for that, but in a respectful way. What can people do to create a more like respectful space? I think the intention question, I think you should ask yourself the intention question. What is my intention with this? Am I saying this to genuinely give somebody a compliment or am I saying this to get something? What is my own intention? I ask myself that a lot. The other thing that I, I think about is just like the power of the word no. Sometimes just a, a no or a no thank you is really strong. And then to respect when someone says no and not try and push, not try and like uh, invalidate that no, I think is also really important. And not, and not blowing these situations off, giving yourself enough grace to allow yourself time to respond appropriately, but not brushing it under the rug. That doesn't help anybody. This has been a great conversation on misogyny and calling out bullshit. And I hope that for all of you listening, that it's been helpful. You've gotten some new tools in your toolkit to go out and be a bad bitch in business. And uh, so Janine, final question for you. What does being a bad bitch mean to you? Oh, it means being unapologetic in all aspects of my life and being able to have unflinching honesty. Love it. Well, we love having you in the Bad Bitch Empire. <laughs> I love being here. Thank you. 
If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot, tag me at Lisa Carmen Wang, and make sure you check out thebadbitchempire.com for events, courses, crypto, and other cool shit. Thanks for tuning in to The Bad Bitch Empire.